Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Program. My name's Ross LeCain. Today we have Kim Haran, a top 100 broker and franchise principal of Aussie at St Mary's and Wetherill Park. Welcome, Kim. Good morning, Ross. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thanks for getting up early to have a chat. Um, yeah, really excited to have you on the on the show. I wanted to really get your experience because you've had a lot of experience from working in finance in, in car dealerships, I believe, to then being a mobile broker with Aussie working in the corporate side of Aussie and now to owning one franchise, which was St. Mary's, and recently you've expanded to a second franchise with Wetherill Park. So just want to frame how has that experience sort of served you in, in your business at the moment? Um, look, I, I think pretty much everything that we do um, builds the, the experience base that we need to keep going on and doing better things but initially the time in the motor industry really taught me about how to talk to people and helped me um, to really understand sales and I think that um, you know often we would say we're a service-based type of industry um, but I think sales goes hand in hand with it and it can be the difference between whether or not somebody that has a good skill set to provide the service can actually be successful. So I think the sales bit was huge. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And um, I remember being in a conference in Las Vegas and one of the presenters, you know, asked that question, what business are you in, right? And, yeah. you know, a lot of people obviously say, oh, I'm in finance, I'm a mortgage broker. But at the end of the day, no matter how you want to cut it, we're in the business of sales. And yeah. so, I mean, that is a great point. So that finance uh, background in the car yard gave you that um, experience around that sales. And you're really good at sales. Well, I like it. You know, <laughs> and I, I feel like um, being a good salesperson is actually almost the, the vehicle that allows you to provide good service. Because there's no point being really good at what you do if people don't want to deal with you. Definitely. And if you genuinely believe you're going to be the one that's going to meet their need with what you provide in your service, then they actually need to buy that. Oh, so, definitely. And it's yeah. so important. I mean, the book that I've been reading recently, The Challenge of Sales, says 54% of customer loyalty is, bought, is, is you know, created at that time of sale. Right, yeah. so that's massive. You know, yeah, it's huge. a massive opportunity. A lot of people lose that, right? So, yeah, definitely. So, tell me what you learned from sales in the in the car industry. Um, I think sales is pretty much the same no matter where or when you do it. So, it's always about building rapport. It's always about understanding the need of the person you're talking to and then it's about providing them a solution. And within that, it's about, um, you know, establishing trust so that they believe you're going to be part of the solution 
and then obviously having the skill set and the craft that sits behind with what we do, being a good broker and a good service provider. Yeah, so I, I think all of that just came out of years and years of sitting there, just talking to customers over a desk and, and identifying what they needed and trying to give them a good outcome. Definitely. So explain exactly what you did in in the back in the days in the in the car. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I actually started. All right, <laughs> like I'll be honest. I started as an aftermarket chief because <laughs> nobody really wanted to give. And I'm not jumping on the back of something here, but nobody really wanted to give a female um, a job as a car salesperson, which is actually what I was trying to get into. And um, so the pathway <laughs> was um, aftermarket. So, you know, the rust chick and the, yeah, okay. So I started in that and um, was just really fortunate that the dealership I worked in, the, the um, dealer principal liked me. And one day they were really busy on a weekend. It was a little Hyundai dealership when Hyundai was like flying out the door. And they just got that busy this weekend. They didn't have enough people on the ground. And I got out there and started talking to people and started selling cars for him. And he <laughs> ended up coming to me and saying, hey, like, what are you doing in aftermarket? Why aren't you selling cars for us? And I said, well, um, at this point I had, I, I was a single mum and had two kids. And I'm like, well, I can't afford to be on trainee wages, firstly. Um, and secondly, like, Nobody wanted to give me a job doing that, and he gave me a job straight away. So started selling cars, and then as it's like anything, right? You're always looking for what what I am, what's next, and um, so ended up changing franchises and went to a different dealership. And then when I got there, I started to get a bit like, all right, well, what am I going to do next? And started to think about finance. And again, nobody really wanted to take me out of what I was doing because I was doing pretty well and give me a start in like doing the, the finance side of things. So I quit, did back in the day what was a three-day business manager's course for people that were already business managers <laughs> and then applied for a, a part like a job that had because you needed to get some actual experience. Nobody wanted to hire you. So I applied for an aftermarket role again that had two days a week um, substituting for the finance manager when they were off. And so that actually got me some experience. And, um, and yeah, from there just went for my next job, which was at a very, um, very finance-orientated, high-pressure um, dealership in Sydney that was um, pretty much everything revolved around the finance department and it drove sales. And um, I really learned. I really learned about lending and um, handling pressure there. Yeah, so, which is probably doing you well right now in this. Doing me very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you um, are great at selling because you know it's quite often people need the home loan, but you're quite good at actually giving them you know, the, the insurance and, and protecting them um, as well. So, you know, and I think, you know, from our conversations, that training ground back in the cars is, is really helping you because you need to sell insurance, right? So t talk to us a little bit how, about how you position and, and sell insurance. Um, I've probably taken a step back from saying that I actually sell insurance. Mm -hmm. So insurance is a funny thing for me. When I came 
one of my motivators from coming from car industry to home loan industry was the difference between being very transactional and um, very how much can I make out of this customer focused. So we had a lot of discretion over the interest rate at the time that we could um, write a car loan at and we also had massive margins on insurances and things like that. So our job was to make as much money out of every customer that we could, right? And it was very transactional. So one of the things I liked about transitioning over to home loans was that I actually got to do that on my terms and I got to build relationships with people and feel like I wasn't flogging a product at them, but I was providing something that they needed. And so initially when we started to do mortgage protection, I was actually the number one resistor. I was like, I'm not doing that. I just got out of the car industry. You can't make me do this. No way. Um, I'm not flogging insurance at people. And I had my sales leader at the time call me one day and just say, look, Kim, would you just do this for me? She basically said, can you please, will you please just try it for me? And I was a bit like, I felt a bit obliged so I did it and I'll be honest right I did it really half-heartedly like there was no finesse to it there was no effort put into it I really just took the quotes out with me and mentioned it to the people basically because I had promised I would but it was their response so when I mentioned it to them because it was a young couple buying their first home they were like so grateful they they were like, they really appreciated that I'd brought it up. They really appreciated that I'd made it available and easy for them. And to be really honest, it was pretty affordable. Like our, our product is actually on market. So um, that immediately changed my perspective, which I think was really important. So for me, I don't feel like I ever really sell it and it sits in line with the way I like to do things, which is really values-based. And I just make sure that I do talk to every customer about it. There's never any pressure. There's no, I honestly don't do a sales pitch with it. I put it in front of them. I talk to them about it. I present it with the lovely brochure that we have to do it with. Um, and... Yeah, and, and just I, I always give them options. I think options are important for people if they are kind of thinking about it just to, that they can go, okay, well, there's a few variables here. I've got choice. Excellent. And so it's just about bringing it up in the conversation yeah. and then just presenting it as, as an option to them without sort of, you know, but making it part of the conversation. Every time, yeah. It is something, and honestly, I think that's all it is. And and what that does is it allows the people that it is important to, to say yes. And the people that it's not important to, I don't feel like it damages the relationship I've got with them because there's no pressure applied there. Exactly. So, what other say? What other things do you think is important in sales? Um, I'm a big believer in. Um, probably over delivering so I think if you said under promise over deliver 
And I, I don't feel like I actually get it right all the time, but it's the constant thing that I'm trying to perfect. So I feel like customers need to, especially in the world we're in right now, and it's been like it for a little while, they actually need to feel like they're valued and they don't want to feel like a number. So as much as we've got a business now where there's a few people handling a, a customer that I deal with from start to finish, I've kind of gone full um, roundabout on it because I started where I did everything myself and even though I had people working in the background, I was the only one that dealt with the customer. Then I've tried transitioning it over so that I hand over like straight after I've interviewed basically. But what I'm finding now is um, they want a bit more contact from me. So depending on what the calls are about and, and where it's at, I'm finding that strategically I need to build more contact points back in where I just touch base with them a bit. And um, there seems to be a better response in that, yeah. uh, that there's more connection. And, and that's probably the thing that I'm noticing at the moment is that people um, realise there's not a lot of point trying to have loyalty with a banking institution anymore. But then, how do we create loyalty between our customers and us? Yeah, and that's a that's an interesting point, especially you know when we're moving into this age of digitization, right? Yeah. Where and I know for yourself, you used to run around, and I know we've spoken over the um, COVID in in the masterminds that we were doing, where you know you started doing a lot more appointments via Zoom than going yeah. to to face-to-face -face and then running around all, all around the countryside. Um, so, and it's been said that, you know, high tech, you really need high touch yeah. to, to make that connection. So I think, you know, you know, what you're saying is exactly that, right? So how do you build those high touch points into your process and make it seamless? They still feel that connection with you. So how, you know, since it's opened up a little bit now after COVID, have you gone back to sort of seeing everyone face-to-face -face or are you still doing more via Zoom? I am still doing some Zoom stuff. And I think for me where I'm sitting with it is what best suits this client. So I still, and I know you and I have had lots of conversations about this, but I still see part of my value proposition as a broker um, being able to meet the need of a client, which often does mean out of business hours, right? So, um, but like I did a Zoom appointment with a young couple last night and both lots of parents. Um, it was awesome. The, the connection was still there. We're moving forward. They've, I've sent out file invites and stuff last night. So everything's moving forward. Start, we had a, um, had a bit of fun with it, actually. We had the appointment and mum's asking a question so the computer gets turned around to mum and then back around the other way. And so um, just, I guess, made fun of it. Mm. And then I'm like, all right, I need to have a look at a few things for you guys, but I really want to give you an outcome tonight. How about we take an intermission? and sent them off to have a cuppa and then just sent them another link and got them back online, right? So it's I feel like it can work either way. I have to admit I have, I didn't realise, but I did miss sitting in front of a customer. 
So I, I've had a couple of appointments recently that have been really long because I've really started <laughs> to take that time and enjoy having a bit of fun with the customer in front of you again. And I think when you've been doing something for a long time, you can get into a rhythm that just serves you like getting through the process. But then when that gets taken away for a minute and you go, hang on, what is it that I actually really love about what I do? And I love sitting in front of a customer. Like I really do. And so, yeah, it's been good. It's a bit of a refreshing, right? Oh, definitely. And I found that when I took a bit of a break, you know, before I launched into this business, I, I missed that real connection. Yeah. And, um, you know, humans are driven by that connection. So, you know, it, as you said before, sales, no matter what industry you're in, it's it's very similar because it's all about, you know, connecting people to people, right? Yeah. So, and so in the age that we're moving to in terms of, obviously that high tech, high touch, you know, it's around about how can we create that connection? And I know a lot of people are using video messaging and um, obviously using videos become huge on social media because, you know, people want to see you. They want to be able to see you and your personality and have that connection with you. So I think that's absolutely massive. Mm. That's great. So, just in terms of you touched on your process, but um, we've chatted lots around this and, um, you know, you have some some amazing processes and very detailed um, processes in your business. So I just wanted to chat around those and, you know, how they've come about and, uh, yeah, how you're finding um, the evolution of these and getting your staff on board with, with what you're doing. Um. Running a business is, I reckon it's like outside of parenting teenagers, it's the biggest growth thing for you as an individual that you'll ever have. Do you know what I mean? Like because especially if you're in the business and you're part of what generates the income for the business. So it's a real skill set that has to be developed to find the balance between being the income generator, um, being the business owner that has to develop and implement strategy and process, um, the business trainer, coach and developer of staff, um, manager, like, and you're transitioning constantly between all these hats that you've got to wear. Um, I'm still... I'm still so not there, I feel, right, but I know I'm getting better and that's good and I can have a laugh with my staff about it sometimes. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm a work in progress, all right, just bear with me. (laughs) Um, But, look, I I feel like process is the only thing that undergirds a successful business when we have a business that has as many uh, variables as our businesses do. So when you've got so many different processes and so many different lenders with different processes and so many points where if you don't get it right back here, you're going to pay the price for it two or three weeks down the road here and every time we get it wrong, then we impact our customer experience, then I think they're all the reasons that if there's nothing else that you focus on for a while until you nail it, it's got to be process. Um, and I find that what I'm constantly, it's constantly evolving. 
so you feel like you've just kind of nailed it and then what happens and you would notice this Ross right how good is growth to show you where your holes are in your process right so as soon as you start to get a bit of momentum and you get a bit of that growth and a bit of that increase, <laughs> next minute all the cracks start showing up, right? Exactly. And you're like, okay, here's all the pain points, let's go again. And you've just and it's just this constant revolving thing where if you're growing and if there's increase happening in your business, you're always trying to find good stuff and you're always refining process. And I feel like it's just a perpetual thing that we do as business owners. Yeah, so you build them, you're constantly building a process and you're breaking them, building yeah. them and you're breaking them. And and that's how evolution comes, isn't it? Because yeah. you, as you say, you are so busy, it, it's you're forced to change and evolve your processes rather than the other way around. And, um, yeah, so I think... I, can I say I think the number one, if I was going to give somebody else any advice, I probably spent a couple of years on what I would call like the rat wheel of busyness and had like this mental checklist in my mind of everything that I knew I needed to do that would improve the business. But I, I basically succumbed to the busyness. Whereas now I've kind of had it made a commitment with myself this year because that's almost procrastination, right? Mm. Like if you know something's yeah. going to fix something and you don't make the time to do it, like it's a bit crazy. Mm. But we've all got, a, a, you know, our our great belt of excuses, which for me was always busyness. Um, but I have been really committed this year to um, giving time up that I, I would normally choose to do other things in to work through that list in my mind of all the things I know will improve my business for me and for my staff. And that's got like a huge level of satisfaction attached to it for me because I'm seeing the change happen and it, it's putting the, I think, the structure and the support mechanisms into my system, into my business where it will make it easier for me to onboard people. Mm. I'll have the training resource available so that when you're onboarding them and you're not having to keep retraining stuff all the time and they actually have the resource to rely on because you know with us right like we'll, you might train something and then they don't do that particular thing with that particular lender for th for three months mm. and it's like well how where's the where's the support for that so that they have a reference place to make sure they do the job right so I'm building all of that stuff into the business at the moment which is so it takes so much time but I think it means that it makes space for scale and that's probably what I'm trying to do at the moment Exactly, because I know in our business we were, you know, writing about 700 loans a year, maybe more, and we lost a whole bunch of our support staff. But yeah. we were able to then plug them back in because we had a process, right? Yes, yeah. we would do training between eight and nine, four mornings a week. But yeah. the fact that we had a detailed process and, you know, what you're saying is that processes run your business and then yeah. you plug the people in and train them to run the processes. You got it. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, and then that's the other challenge, isn't it? Is yes, it's one thing to build a process, and you know we've been there, but it's around 
you know, talk to us about the getting your staff on board with the changes. Um, look, I, I feel like um, working with your staff, it's the same as working with a client, right? Like, um, I think they have to, one, they have to buy into the fact that you care about them and that you care about what their day's like when they turn up to work. And I, I talk about that a lot. So for me, when I started my business, I, I sat down and worked out why I wanted to start a business. And what was really interesting is it wasn't just about the customers. I actually wanted to create a workplace that was really fruitful where people turned up and they did a really good job, but they got a high level of satisfaction out of it. And, and they had a, a place that they liked being at. And so I think when you um, build your process around having a good culture and it, it's just supporting people coming to work and feeling like they do a good job and you make sure you position it like that and you keep the customer in mind. So I'm, I'm really huge on why. I'll spend a lot of time on why with my staff and with customers. Um, which is probably the bit I, I like teaching and I like education. So I think why always comes into that. And then we go through the what and the how. Definitely. I'm a big one. Most of my presentations I do, I always will start with the why. And I think that's, yeah. that's so important in terms of to, for them to understand the reasons behind it and you know what's at the heart of it. And I think you touched on a really good point there. It's around, it's great to talk about process, but, the client is at the end of the experience, right? Yeah. So your process has to feed in to create that outstanding service. And, you know, I know when we were doing, you know, eight, 900 loans a year in terms of the number of conversations we had, because sometimes with a pile of files on the desk, it can feel like, they're, they're yeah. just working in a bit of a sausage factory, right? But yeah. you need to bring that back by and talk about, well, there's a client at the end of it and they're all important, they're, whether they're buying their first home or their, their 15th investment property. It's yeah. still a really, really important transaction to them. So that's why I think it's you know really important to celebrate those wins and to to share those with your staff to because they might not get the interaction that we get, but... Um, you, you've got to make them feel part of that process and that experience. Yeah. Mm. Yep, yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what are some of the key sort of technologies and stuff that you're using to sort of create these systems in your business? Um, look, I'm, I'm a spreadsheet girl, so I'll be honest. You can give me all the technology in the world and all I want to look at is at a spreadsheet. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> an overview of everything because I'm just one of those people if I can just look at everything going on every day but I'm quite systematic about that so I've got different spreadsheets for different things mm. so I have a um we use google docs mm. um it's really great it means that everybody can interact in the one document and it's live so mm. um I have it set up to go out to my teams and we've got um We've got it set up to serve the business process. Um, 
and that is my overview document. So I have what I call my work in progress stuff. And so there's two kind of stages of that, um, which is where it's really only me looking at it and I haven't got anybody else touching it or analysing any of the information on it yet. But then I have like a pre-lodgement tab there. And that's where I've started to hand it over to one of my team that are going to start packaging and intaking documents and things like that. So for me, just having a glance at that um, means that I don't, uh, I don't really need to use much else. That mm. kind of keeps me in the point where I can give direction and I keep myself on track with it. So we explain, also, explain your team. So you you do the initial, so a, a lead will come in. Who will handle the lead? Um, I've got a reception admin girl that does that. Yeah. Um, so handle the lead, like I'm still, like I want to talk to that customer yeah. <laughs> the minute they make an inquiry. So if I'm free, I talk to every person, unless they kind of are busy and they're just like, listen, I don't need to talk to anybody now. I just want to book an appointment. But otherwise, I want to have that few minutes where I have a chance to connect with them, right? Mm. So um, I'll do that, book an appointment, and then I hand it back to admin and they put it through our onboarding process, which has got about six or seven steps in it and then create the folder for me for the appointment and it gets popped somewhere and then I wait for the pre-appointment data to come back in and do the appointment. Um, once I've had an appointment with, and we have like an admin does all the like um, confirming appointment stuff and everything. So um, when I've had the appointment, once I have got it to the point where we're moving forward then I hand it over to my loan processing team so I've got two people that support me there and normally what will happen is I have kind of made a recommendation to the customer um, they've agreed to move forward and they they do the process then of collecting the supporting documents for me and creating app docs getting it out and then are they, are they do they liaise with the customer at all yeah, we are doing that. Um, and so once one of my team takes over the file, they will. I'm at the moment. I'm sending the file invite out. It's such a kind of quick process, and I feel like it's freshest in my mind. So I have it set up to do it within like 30 seconds. Mm. So I do that. I do it really quickly, um, and I find it keeps my files moving quite quickly. Then when um, one of my girls is intaking and reviewing all the stuff, at that point they'll come back and say, hey, we've picked this up or did you know that? And so there's that communication between me and my team. And then depending on the customer. <laughs> so we have a, a process that is still quite fluid in that um, we deal with people. And some people have different needs to other people. Mm. And what I've been trying to teach my staff about and doing it um, really nicely, but, you know, there's just some people that are going to have uh, different reactions to different things and you kind of, over time, you know that. So if I feel like it's a customer that's going to need a touch from me because we're asking for something that they're going to object to a little bit, or then I'll make those phone calls. If they're just a nice standard, no fast customer that's just going to do what you ask and they don't, they're not going to be high need, then the team will do that. Definitely. And it's, uh, yeah, and that would be more the rule and you, you handle the sort of the exception. And yeah, I think yeah. that's important for people to understand when they are creating processes that 
your processes you know, are going to cover your 80% of your clients, yes. right? There's 20% that always are going to fall out of the process, but your process designed to cater for 80% of, um, of, of the deal. So there's always going to be, um, you know, those exceptions that, that uh, you know, you need to communicate with your team and, and talk. Look, they could be slightly higher than 20% of the moment, <laughs> to be honest. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, you you are in St Mary's out in Sydney's West. Hey, right? hey, hey, enough of that. <laughs> no, just joking. Just Best joking. customers in Sydney I've got. Exactly. Heart, you know, soul of the earth customers out there for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, this has been really great. I think, you know, we've talked about sales, we've talked about leadership, we've talked about process. Just in closing, in terms of obviously someone looking to get in and and look to really you know, accelerate the the growth of their business, similar to what you you have done over the last sort of twelve months. What what are just some of your parting tips that we can sort of give? Um, so one of the things I think we've been talking about as a team late, lately is um, what what is actually service excellence because. Every customer that walks in, really, um, they walk in and deal with you because, you know, they expect that you're going to get their loan approved. So <laughs> pretty much everything that we do that's just about getting their loan approved, you're really only meeting the minimum expectation, to be honest. So they might, like, you might do it and you might do it on time and your communication might be good and all of those things, but really isn't that just the minimum benchmark? So we're kind of trying to think about things at the moment that really add that personal little wow thing into our process. So um, that's one of the things I'd say to think about. So get your process right, but then don't stop there. Um, what actually makes it excellent? Because just delivering on what they walked in there to get, which is a home loan approval mm. and some good service, that's the minimum. So. Um, I, I think that would be one thing. The other thing is um, really work on your sales. I did a lot of one-on-ones when I was a sales manager, which is where we used to go out and actually I sit and observe appointments. And honestly, that taught me so much. Like I completely changed my process after that to the way I used to do things when I was a mobile broker, um, became a sales manager did all those joint field visits, came back out into Brokerland and completely changed the way I did my sales process. So, um, yeah, work on sales. If, you're, if, you, if it's not a strong part of who you are within your business, get a sales coach. Get someone that's prepared to sit and observe you that knows what they're doing and knows what they're talking about and can teach you how to... Um, talk to clients in effective ways that build trust and confidence into them so that they want to deal with you. Yeah, that's great. And I love that final point. And I've always, you know, any literature that I can get my hands on for sales, I, I, I love. And I think, you know, now more than ever with it going digital, right, it takes yeah. away that personality power 
and it takes into the video presentation is becoming important, right? So tools like how you connect your iPad to your um, computer. And so there's a whole nother level that where, you know, the people that adapt to this change the quickest are then going to be that step up in sales. So, yeah, constantly evolving. I love that. It's, um, it's been a great conversation. Thank you for your time. Thanks for getting up this morning and having a chat. Um, really, uh, really, really enjoyed. And I think there's a lot of value for everyone that's listened to you. So thanks, Kim. Thanks, Ross. It's been awesome. All right. This has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your chosen podcast platform. Uh, join us on the Billion Dollar Broker Group on Facebook. Uh, if you'd like to contact me about my coaching services, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Till next time, we'll talk to you soon.